We're glad you guys are here today. Welcome to uh, Hope Church. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to you guys today and share with you guys what God has for me to share with you. But I'm really, 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 really excited about tonight, the volleys. And uh, we're going to have, yeah, come on. You can put your hands together. If you don't know what the volleys is, you're just clapping with us. We're totally cool with that. But we're going to do the volleys tonight. It's going to be exciting. And um, I got my suit back from the dry cleaners. Really excited about my suit. I'm just gonna say it. Look, I'm just gonna say now. It looks good on me. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm really excited uh, about tonight. It's gonna be a, a fun, fun, fun time. And if you didn't register yet, it's not too late. We really want you guys to come with us, and we're gonna have a good time. And we've been in a series called Ghost Stories. Ghost Stories. How many of you guys in here you, you like a good ghost story? You, you like a, a, a good ghost story? You, you like to be maybe scared a little bit? And and uh, we opened up week one. I, I gave you a ghost story. None of you guys were scared about my ghost story. I think it was because it wasn't dark enough in here. It's got to be pretty dark to have a ghost story. This morning I got here and and Trip followed me into the in the dressing room back here and I was uh, and, and he said I'm coming to get you, Dad. And I said cool. So I went in there and I hid real. I hid and he he got a little bit scared. And I, I was hiding, he, he couldn't find me. And then finally I went behind, I jumped behind him and scared him. And then he tried to get me back and turn all the lights off. But we like, we, like a good, we like a good ghost story. And so we've been talking about ghost stories, but we haven't really been talking about ghosts. Really, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and in the Bible, the Bible calls that God, God says that there's three parts of God. There's God the Father, and then there's God the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. It's the third part of the Trinity. It's the third part of God. And, and if you're like, well, how can he be three different people? It's, it's really simple. The easiest way I can explain to you is that for me, I'm a, I'm a dad of, of four kids. Pray for me. Um, two's great. Four's a bad idea. And um, so I've got, I, I, I'm a dad, but I'm also um, a, a son and I'm also a husband. I'm, so three different things, but I'm really just, I'm just one person. Well, God's the same way. We have God the Father who created the heavens and the earth and put the world into motion, created the world. He spoke six days, spoke creation out of his mouth, and then he rested. And then he sends his son from heaven down to earth for us, down the cross for our sins. And if you've been in church for a little bit of while, maybe you've, you've gone to a Christmas service and they talk about the birth of baby Jesus and that's Christmas. And then when you talk about Easter, if you've been to church for Easter, you see that this baby Jesus, he, he lived a full life, he died. And then three days later, he rose again. And the Bible says that he reigns victoriously and that's Jesus. And, and then there's the third part called the Holy Spirit. And most people have no idea what the Holy Spirit is, what he does. And it's kind of like, a ghost to us. Like, it's creepy. I have no idea what this Holy Spirit thing does. And so we've kind of been unpacking what it means to who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and how he works in our life. And in Acts chapter 19, the Bible says this, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several Christians or several believers. And he asked them this question, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He said, no, they replied, we haven't even heard that there actually even is a Holy Spirit. And that's probably most of us. I haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. I have no idea. That's creepy, Wes. I have no idea what you're talking about. But I came today to tell you that there actually is a Holy Spirit. And when we look in the scriptures, we find out that the word Holy Spirit, it's not even like a really, really good translation of the word. In, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, this word is, in the New Testament, the word is pneuma. Pneuma. And it means a wind or a breath of fresh air. And in the Old Testament, it's the word ruach. 
the word ruach, and it's this word wind or current. And so the Holy Spirit, we get this word for it. Really, he's a, he's a current or he, he's a wind and he's, he's in motion. He wants us to be, he wants to be a part of our life and he wants to be a part of the, the motion. He wants to move us and direct us and guide us. And, and the Bible says that's what he, he does. And so we looked at the fact that he, we don't, we can't really see wind. We know that. You can't see the Holy Spirit. But just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean that he's not, it's not there. If you've ever been on a boat before, probably not a boat with sails, but if you've ever been on a boat with sails before, you know that the wind will, the wind will, will move that and it can push that. But we know this, that you can't see wind, but wind still is, is powerful. It's powerful. And just like we can't see the Holy Spirit, he actually is powerful. He actually can move our lives. He actually can, he can push us. He actually wants us to get into into this current. And so, um, so we told, that was week one, that he's this current or he's this wind. And last week we looked at something um, called spiritual gifts. And, and here's what I wanted to make sure you, you got from last week. And I was telling a friend of mine this week, sometimes I muddy things up and then sometimes I make things really, really clear. But one of the things I wanted you to get last week is that we've all been given a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit gives us a gift, every single one of us. And that gift is from God. And we're supposed to use our gifts for God. And, and I love last week, I, I love coming out of last week and people saying, hey man, man, I've got a spiritual gift. I got to start using it. I, I, was at the, um, I was at the barber this week talking to Stefan about, about the sermon this past weekend. And I was talking to another guy that's in my community group and he said, man, I feel like God's calling me in this direction. I've got to make sure that I'm using, I'm using my gifts. And so in here, we want you to know this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have this incredible gift called the Holy Spirit. And he's given you spiritual gifts to use for the church. In this church, if you walked in here today, you're join us for the very first time, you're like, man, how did this all come together? Here's how it all came together. A bunch of people are using their gifts to make this thing happen. And maybe you got invited here today by someone, and they said, hey, please come, and that's someone using, using their gift. And so we all have these gifts, and God wants us to use our gifts for the church, <clears throat> for the church. And today, um, I want to ask you guys this question, or I want to ask, I want to ask us this question, I want to answer this question is, what does the Holy Spirit do all day? What, what does the Holy Spirit do all day? If you're in here and you're married, you've, you've heard that question before from your wife. What, what did you do all day? What, what did you what do all day? Danny can come home and, and I'll have, you know, I'll, I'll have the, it'll be quiet in there because I'm a great parent, um, which means I've got TVs on, I've got iPads on their laps. <laughs> I've got them all under control. Like, I got them all in place. And, but the house can look like a tornado went through our house, all the rooms. And she's like, what did she walks in. She doesn't say these words. You don't say these words, but she's basically looking at me like, what did you do all day? She's like, she'll, well, sometimes she'll walk in. She won't say, what did you do all day? She'll say, did you take a nap today? I'm like, heck yeah, I took a nap. I'm tired. <laughs> this life is tired. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, the struggle's real. Like, yeah, these four kids will make you tired. And so, so I ask myself the question sometimes, well, what, did you, what did you do all day? This past year or last year, the first year of this church plan, I, I had a friend uh, call me and say, hey, I want you to, I want to, I want to pay for you to, to have a coach. You need a coach. I'm like, you need to mind your own business. He's like, you need a coach. And he would ask me, hey, I want, I want to see a time block. I want to know, I want to know what you did all day today. And I'm like, that's none of your business what I did all day today. You know, I'm, I'm doing me. You do you, I do me. But what did you do all day? And so my question for you and the question that we have to ask ourselves, what does the Holy Spirit do all day? Because he, if he's alive, Wes, if he's in me, Wes, if, you, if those things are true, which you said that the last few weeks, then what does he do all day? Like, does he sleep all day? Does he work only on Sunday mornings when I'm at church? Does he work when I'm at my job? What does God do all day long? Because I know he's doing something. What does the Holy Spirit do all day? I, I wrote down this today that I believe this. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does, the Holy Spirit brings communion. The Holy Spirit, it brings 
It brings communion. In just a few moments, we're going to take communion together. And we're going to recognize all that, God done for, all that God has done for us on the cross. We're going to remember that. But the Holy Spirit, it actually, it actually brings communion. And, and I was thinking about the word communion. I think sometimes like, oh, that's a church word that we're supposed to use in church. But the communion has, you can go on, you go on Wikipedia or go online today and search the word communion. Or go to type in Webster's Dictionary and type in the word communion. And something's going to come up and it's going to look like this. The word communion means this. The sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. I'm like, dang, that's good. Like, you can get, there's a lot of good stuff on the internet. There's a lot of bad stuff on the internet, but there's also a lot of good stuff on the internet. But I realize this, that the Holy Spirit, it actually brings... It actually brings communion. It actually brings, thing to, brings things together. And it says it brings us an intimate thoughts, an exchange happens of feelings. And it's on a mental or spiritual level. And that's where the Holy Spirit meets us at. The, I, I believe God meets us in a whole nother realm. He's in heaven. He's looking down and he's orchestrating this thing like a quarterback. He's like, hey, run this play, run this play, run this play. And then we have, the, we have Jesus and we see him walk this earth and he's in physical, he's the physical manifestation of God. He walks and talks on this earth and he lives a life like you and I live and he had opportunities to sin like both you and I have the opportunity to sin, but the Bible says he never, ever, 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 ever sinned. He's the physical, um, he's the physical part of, of God and then we have the Holy Spirit and the Bible tells us that, man, not even, the, not even the Bible, the world tells us this communion thing that he brings, it meets us on the intimate level. It meets us on the level where it's, it's on the mental and spiritual level. That's where the Holy Spirit hangs out. Okay, Wes, that's creepy. I, I, I know, it, it seems creepy, but it's really not. It actually, it actually helps you. And so the Holy Spirit does a couple things that I want to unpack for us this morning. And um, in John chapter 14, I, I love this story. Um, I, I think the guys have it on the screen for us. John chapter 14, um, verses 1 through 6, if they have it. Yeah, um, let me read off there. The Bible says this, don't let your hearts be troubled, guys. What he knew is our hearts are, would be troubled. This is Jesus talking. Trust in God and trust also in me. The next verse says this, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and I'm going to get you. This is where it gets creepy. So that you will always be with me wherever I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. He goes, hey guys, I'm leaving, but it's okay. I'm going to prepare, I'm going to go make I'm going to go make a nice house for you. Do any of you guys remember, this is going to date some of us, do any of you guys remember the show MTV Cribs? Do, do, they, do they still make that? That just basically means that you were born in the 80s, somewhere around there, or at least like, that we get that. These kids nowadays are like, no, we don't know what that is. We just, we can drive around. We just, nowadays, I think the MTV Cribs now, you guys just go on Google Maps. <laughs> You're like, I can just zoom into their house right now. But <clears throat> there was, Jesus, Jesus is preparing mansions for us. And some, some theologians say that mansions is even a bad, it's a bad translation. The Bible says that he's going to prepare a bunch of rooms for us. There's just a bunch of rooms. And we, we, I think as a kid, we think, oh, we think mansions, mansions. But he's like, there's just a bunch of rooms where we're going to have, we're going to have communion with God. And he goes, you guys know where I'm going. And here's where it changes. The very next verse, the Bible says this. They say this, no, God, we don't know where you're going, Thomas said. Old Doubt and Thomas. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? We have no idea where you're going. And the very next verse, he goes, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man can come to the Father except coming straight 
through me. He's like, hey guys, here's good news. You know where I'm going. They're like, no, we don't know where you're going. We have no clue. Don't, don't throw us a curveball, Jesus. We have no idea where you're going. Don't say that. He goes, yeah, I'm going to prepare a place for you guys. And uh, you guys know how to get there. And they're like, no, give us directions. Send me an address so I can drop me a pen so I can get there right. And he's like, no, no pen needed. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And that's how you get back. That's how we connect. That's how we have communion together. That's how we meet back up. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you back to me. And so the Bible t- goes on a little bit further, and I'm going to read this in just a moment, not right now, but the Bible says, I'm going to, the Bible says, I'm going to give you the help to give you, because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm going to give you. That's the gift I'm going to give you. I, I give you, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but God gives us eternal life. He also gives us spiritual gifts, but he also, the Bible's clear, he, he gives us all these, he has so many things that he, he wants to, he wants to give us. He says, I, I'm, I'm going to prepare a way for you. I am the way. I I am the truth. I, I am. There's so many things that I can do. I, I, I want to do these things for you. I, I'm giving you, there's the third thing. I left, it left me. He says, I, he goes, I've got the Holy Spirit for you. I got gifts for you. I have eternal life for you. And I have this thing, Holy Spirit. So what does he do? What does he do? I had a friend ask me just recently, and I think this is the answer to her question. I think she asked me to say, how do you live a, how do you live a committed Christian life? How do you go all in with God? And I think this might be the answer. I'm like, she asked me that question. I'm like, oh, that's a good question. Ask your pastor. <laughs> and uh, it's locking in with the Holy Spirit. You want to go all in. It's, it's getting on the same page with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, a lot of you guys in here today, you probably don't know this, but a lot of these musicians up here, they walk around with these things in their ears. And, and in their ears, there's a, there's a metronome. It's just, it, they call it a click. And it's just, it's keeping them on the right speed all the time. And it, it doesn't get off. It stays at the same exact speed, the same exact tempo. And they can change the tempo for the songs. And it never, ever, ever, ever gets off. It just stays on. It's a click. It just click, click, click. And it's just in their ears. And they can do it. It's measured by BPMs. It's beats per minute. And they just know exactly. And it's the same exact way. It goes on and on and on. And it stays consistent the whole way through. And that's how you live the light that God, you lock in with the Holy Spirit. And you try to get on the same exact beats per minute with Him. And I'm not up here today to tell you that's easy. And everyone should just go out and do it and just lock in. Because if it was that easy, we could just put on some, ear, ear, some, some earbuds and say, Holy Spirit, go. And it would just go. It isn't that easy. So God gives us the Holy Spirit to help us get on the right BPMs with him. So here's what the Holy Spirit does. Probably one of our least favorite things. But the Holy Spirit convicts us. Ugh. I don't want to be convicted, Wes. I, I was telling our dream team this morning, we have a service at 945 with all of our volunteers, all of our dream teams that helps run all this. And I was saying, hey, we don't like that the Holy Spirit convicts us, but he has to. That's part of his job. He can't not do his job. The Holy Spirit, he convicts us. That's one of the things that he does for us. Have you ever, um, have you ever fallen asleep before driving? Be honest. Don't lie, we're in church. I mean, we're in YMCA. We are the church. But if you've ever fallen asleep driving, one of the best things ever happens when you fall asleep driving, you begin, nothing good about, nothing good happens when you fall asleep. <clears throat> Retract that. But one of the things that helps you when you do fall asleep and you veer off to the right, you feel that, it's those bumps on the road because they know that people fall asleep where it helps you the traction and it helps you correct back. If you've ever been in a bad accident before, there's these things out there called guardrails. 
and you don't want to slam into them when you're just normally driving. But if you've ever been in an accident before, if you've ever driven, my friends are from New Hampshire and, and their mom's visiting. And I, there's a lot of guardrails up there in New Hampshire because there's mountains. We don't have a lot of guardrails down here. We got wet roads. Up there, they got mountains. And so there's guardrails. So it keeps you. If you, go to, if you go off the road, it hits the road. It, it bounces you back on track because the Holy Spirit, it convicts us. It's like a guardrail. No one ever has ever been excited about speed limits. There's a bunch of cops in here today. No one's, you guys probably know, we don't like speed limits. But you know what? They keep us safe. They keep us safe. You know, I, I'm going to be very appreciative of the speed limit when my daughter starts driving. I think that's when you start appreciate parents, I think that's when you start appreciating the speed limits, when your kids are driving. I remember my dad, my dad would make me drive five under the speed limit. I'm like, dad, the old people are passing me. And he would go, good, I want them to. I'm like, you're a bad parent. He's like, you can be a bad parent too one day. We need the speed limit. It keeps us safe. Conviction is not a bad thing. It actually keeps us safe because God wants to keep you and I safe. He wants to keep us on the right track. He wants to keep us on the road. In my group, um, I'm in a community group on Sunday nights, and we're talking um, talking about... the book of James, I think it's the book of James on Sunday night, and I'm, they're all running together for me. But we talk about God wants to give his children good gifts. God actually wants to keep you safe, and he uses conviction to keep us safe. The Holy Spirit convicts us. <clears throat> Guardrails are good, and speed limits are good, and so is conviction. But here's what I need you to get, because I think some of us grew in churches where we didn't really get a good healthy dose of conviction, because we think this, well, we don't think this is true. Conviction is not condemnation. Conviction is not condemnation. If I were to ask some of you guys, if you ever felt condemned walking into church, our hands would be like, it'd be like a stinking wave in here. <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, we're going back this way. And we would be like, man, we, we got that. It was like, hey, if you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this. And we thought that was conviction, but really that was condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts us because condemnation leaves you feeling guilty and shame. And God doesn't come to bring guilt and shame. He doesn't come to bring condemnation. The Bible actually says this in Scripture. Romans 8, 1, I love this verse. I I love it in in this translation, but I love it in in a different translation. Um, One translation says, therefore. And basically it unpacks everything you've seen, Romans 1 through 7. It packs, um, here's why all that's there for. Here's what it's there for. The Bible says, "There there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So that's why, the, that's why conviction can't be condemnation because the Bible says that I don't come to bring condemnation. Furthermore, John 3.16 is the, one of the most popular verses ever. In February, we'll have the Super Bowl and John 3.16, there will be that guy somewhere with John, Jesus loves you, John 3.16, and we'll see that across, across the TV. And then the very next verse, we leave it out. I think we miss context, but John chapter 3, verse 17 says this, God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. I see so many people post so many condemn, con- condemning things. And I'm like, there's no re- there's 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 the reason why nobody wants to have anything to do with the church or with Jesus because I think all he does is walk around and condemn us. And you want to know why he doesn't, he, he, you know why he doesn't condemn us anymore? Because he died on the cross for our sins. And he removed all the condemnation. I don't have a lot of time today because we're going to take communion, but did you know this? It's, this is really cool. I, um, <clears throat> when you get saved, the Bible says that God puts on you a cloak of righteousness. He puts it on you. It'd be like me walking up to you and getting a, a white sheet or a really soft 
comforter that you have in your house, like your favorite comforter, you all, you all have that one, right? Their favorite sheet, you know? And it's, we just got smart after 13 or 14 years of marriage. Like now everyone has their own soft blanket. You know, we just want to steal from each other. I'm like, we got eight more dollars. Let's just everybody get their own sheet, you know? Um, but God walks up to it and goes up to you and, and, and wraps that righteousness around you. And no one can take that righteousness off you except for the one that puts it on you. And the Bible says that he doesn't take it off you. He leaves it on you forever. There's no verse in the Bible that says that God takes off the righteousness. There's, you can't find that. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to know in here that God doesn't take the righteousness away from you. The Holy Spirit gives us conviction, not condemnation. God didn't come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. But he has to convict us so that we can stay on the right path. Does that make sense? Have you ever done something you shouldn't have done? I know none of you guys have, but I have. <clears throat> and you're like, dang, I should not have done that. Some of you guys are like, bro, that was like last night. Will you live with me? <clears throat> that was this morning, you know, cussing my kids out on the way to church. <laughs> There's grace for that, you know what I'm saying? God knew that we'd fight on the way to church. Di and I never fight on the way to church. You want to know why? Because we never ride together. And that's just, that's called, that's called being a veteran. If we rode together, we would fight together. Because I'd be mad because we we're going to be late. We would just fight together. We just would do that, but we don't. God knows that we need conviction. And you're better for it. It actually makes you a better you. It actually makes you, it makes Wesley a better Wesley with conviction. And I haven't arrived, and neither have you, but you know when we will arrive? When we get to heaven. And until then, the Holy Spirit is gonna convict us to keep us on the right path. Here's the second thing, and the last thing. The Holy Spirit, it comforts us. It comforts us. It comforts us. John chapter 14, verse 16, he goes, I'm gonna pray to the Father, and he's gonna give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And then it's, I, I love this next part. The world needs some comfort. Can you just nod your head today if the world needs some comfort? Yeah, you, you don't have to look far to know that the world's dying for some comfort. Everywhere you go, we've lived in a, it's been pretty tough. I was at this concert this past week and the guy got up there and he goes, hey, you know, I don't really know what to say about all these hurricanes, but here's what I know, that we ought to love each other and we ought to encourage each other and we ought to comfort because everyone that you know that's going through something, everyone needs some comfort. Everyone needs comfort. One out of one people need comfort. I'm not good with statistics, but I'm pretty good with that one. Everyone needs comfort. Jesus knew thousands of years ago, whoever's saying that's good over here, I like that. I, I preach better when people respond. There's comfort. We need some comfort. The Holy Spirit has come to comfort us. And here's the thing. For some of you guys in here today, this is where I get really preachy. Some of us, it bothers us that God comforts us because we don't think we deserve the comfort. Hey, well, here's the good news. We don't deserve the comfort, but nobody does. The worship leaders, none of us deserve it. The speaker, the pastor guy up here talking today, none of us deserve comfort. But the Bible says that because of God's grace, He gives us comfort. And we need to embrace the comfort. If we can embrace the comfort, it'll help us be what we're supposed to be. And what we're supposed to be is because the Holy Spirit inside of us, because the Holy Spirit gives us comfort, we're actually supposed to go and get comfort some other people. But we never go comfort other people because we're not even okay with the comfort ourselves. 
I told someone last night, I was out here working on, on the truck. When I say working on the truck, what that means is I bought the stuff and somebody was helping me do it, okay? In case you need, I don't want you to think. I, and that means I actually put my hand on there and I got, I got the grease on me, Lee. I'm like, I want to make it look like I did this and I held the packaging. <laughs> that counts, Armando. Everybody's judging me. He's like, this is what he, you know, he preaches and, and, and then he buys stuff and he has everybody else help him fix it, you know? Like, that, that's just smart. <clears throat> We're all called to comfort each other. We're all called to help each other. That's what we're called to do. And we're living in a world where no one's comforting each other because everyone's like, well, I need to be comforted. There's a lot there. If you feel like you need to be comforted, you know what'll comfort you? If you go comfort somebody else. Because I promise you, someone's got it worse than you. And you'll never ever know that until you start helping people because no one's wearing a shirt that says, please comfort me. But they need that. And the Holy Spirit, when you grasp the Holy Spirit and grasp He wants to comfort you, it'll actually make you want to go in and start. It's the Spirit that leads us to go and comfort people. The Bible says, uh, this is, I wrote down this, the Holy Spirit can comfort us when nobody else can. So in, in case you, there's a lot, I know there's a lot there, but if, if you can't go comfort anybody, if you're looking like, I need some comfort, like just know this, if you're looking for someone else to comfort you, there's gonna come a moment. Diana can tell you there's been times in our marriage where she's like, man, I wish you could comfort me. And she's like, you're doing a terrible job at it. <laughs> it's just, lack of better words, it's basically how the conversation went, you know? And, and so she's like, I'll just go talk to the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. He never abandons us. The Bible says this in John chapter, I'm sorry, in Psalm chapter 46, verse one. God is our refuge and strength. He's already, he, he's always ready to help in times of trouble. He's already ready. He's in a constant position to comfort you. He's always there. This week, um, I don't know how many CrossFit references that I've made yet, but I'm going to end on this one. This makes sense. And <clears throat> we, There's 20 CrossFitters from CrossFit Winter Garden that come to our church. And I'm praying and believing that there's gonna be another, we're gonna double that number. I'm praying in this, in this next year that we're gonna double that number. And I know I, they're probably thinking that's a low number. That's what the coaches are thinking because their coaches are always pushing you, you know, like, listen, this is church. Let me deal with this. You stick with coaching. But um, the, I wanna have 20 more. That's what we're praying this next season. And seasons are relative. Like I would be okay with it if it happens next month, but I'm okay this next year. We're, we're gonna go. It's one, the gym's one years old. And I'd like to see 20 more CrossFitters come to our church. And, and um, one of my friends that came today, and, and both of them, I'm, I'm glad they're both here. Um, what I was going to say is this. Um, this week was, um, was, was a one rep max, and it was, uh, it was, it was bench press. Well, I haven't, I haven't bench pressed in three years. Um, when, we had tw- when we had twins, basically my whole life went down the drain. And so um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And um, it's all my fault. I know. I'm just saying. It's what happened. And I haven't done it for a while, but I... Lee goes, hey, let's go. Let's put on some more weight. You can do more. That's, it, it, that's like the favorite last words of every CrossFit coach. You can do more, you know, until you're laying there dead. You know, like you can do more until you're dead. Then when you, you know, we say that our church, if, if, if you're not dead, God's not done with you. And so I think they kind of have that same. So anyway, so he's like, you got this. And, you know, and I, I get on that uh, bench and he, he came up behind me and, and, he, and, he, and I was laying there and I was bench pressing and he, and he got his hands right there and he goes, you got this. You keep on going. You got this. You keep, I got this. You got this. And I, and I, and I share with you to say this, I, as, I, as I kept on pushing I realize, man, I, I have it. I have it. And what I want you to know is this, that if you just keep on going, if you're in your day, you feel like you want to give up, 
if you keep on, if you just keep on going, you've got a comfort there helping you up. You don't have to do all the heavy lifting. The Holy Spirit will do it for you. Let him convict you. Embrace the conviction because it's, it's part of your progress and you can't get to the progress unless you go through the process. You can't get to the progress unless you go through the process. I saw um, Chris the other day on, on Instagram doing a strict handstand push-up, which made me jealous. I was looking for the dislike button on Instagram. Like, they don't have that yet, you know? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I was like, that's awesome for you. I can do a muscle up. And um, <laughs> I said that out loud. But I know this, the Holy Spirit, the, whole, the conviction's gonna help me. But also the, when we feel like, oh, dang it, he's hurting me. It's there to help you. And then he's there to comfort us. He's there to comfort us. So let's embrace the comfort. I'm gonna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes.